good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Whichever part of the world and whatever time zone you're joining us from, welcome once again. Welcome to the Black Consciousness Festival's weekend of conversations about rep reparations, claiming what is rightfully ours, 185,435 days late, and the trillions are short. The Black Consciousness Festival is a global online platform for commemoration, celebration, and sharing of vital histories and stories that boost the awareness and impact of the pride, power, and practice of people of African descent. Our inaugural year was the magical year of 2020, um, and we had a beautiful month in November of um, last year with conversations and activities around topics of Black consciousness. Earlier this year, we had our youth festival, and now we're in our weekend of conversations on reparations. The Black Consciousness Festival will continue to build awareness around how each of us can take the necessary steps for restitution and reparation. Healing and repair is something that is very important to people of African descent. You can find more information on the festival at our website, theblackconsciousnessfestival.com. It'll have a full schedule of all of the activities for the rest of the weekend and the conversations that you can take part in. My name is Nadella Oya, and I'm part of the Black Consciousness Festival team. I'm pleased to introduce today's conversation, Voices from Hispanic South America. The conversation, this conversation, is giving our cousins of African descent on Spanish-speaking Latin America, Cuba, Colombia, and Argentina. Their history is very different to ours in the Caribbean because they fought for independence from their European colonizers whilst we were granted independence. Dr. Donis Diaz Fernandez is Cuban. He's a lecturer at UWE, St. Augustine. Dr. Donis Diaz Fernandez was born in Havana, Cuba. We were just chatting about Cuba, um, old Havana being one of my favorite places in the whole world. Um, he was born in Havana, Cuba, in the bosom of a religious family practicing Santeria or Osha's rule. He's also the president of the Yoruba Cultural Association of Cuba in Trinidad and has his own nonprofit organization called Ileifa Igba Olorun, founded in Trinidad since 2015. We want to thank our viewing audience for joining us and tuning in on Zoom and live and on our live Facebook stream. Please feel free to post any questions you have about anything that you hear that touches you and make sure to tag us on Facebook and Instagram so that we can track your questions and whatnot. There will be both Spanish and English interpretations for this conversation, so make sure to check um, the settings if you're tuning in on Zoom. And we now join Adonis with our guests, Sol and Mayra, for our conversation on voices from Hispanic South America. Do enjoy. Thank you very much, Nandela, for the presentation, for the introduction. Eh, muchas gracias por la presentación. Um, Y les doy la bienvenida una vez más al festival. I welcome you to the festival of the Black Awareness Festival. Uh, this afternoon, this evening, we'll be talking about the voices of a Spanish American. And uh, in order to do that, we'd like to uh, reflect upon the reparation, the concept of reparation, what we understand by that concept in the context of a Spanish-American Spanish for a Afro-descendant communities. 
given that in several scenarios and in many places and in intellectual setting, we have a, a lot of uh, flourishing debates of reparation in terms of the individual realities. We have several perspectives uh, that adjust and go for the defense and the advocacy for the uh, rights while others uh, work with the victimization of the Afro-descendant. It is true that the uh, reparations seek to fight, to struggle with the uh, inequity that these communities have been uh, facing over the years. So in order to have a conversation over these two topics in different nations of the Spanish America, we would like to share, to share this opportunity with several of the persons who have been advocating in that field. I would like to start by introducing Sodra. She is an Afro-Argentinian artist. Uh, from Cabo Verde. Uh, she's a creator. She's an artist, a, of an artificial artist that represents the uh, black. Uh. We also have Julio uh, Cesar Quecedo. Uh, he is a scientist. He's a social scientist. Uh, he is um, an engineering scientist from the University of Valle in Colombia. He's a postural doctor from the University of Barcelona, who's been working in different research. Um, and uh, the results uh, of his most recent work has been shared in the paper uh, published in 2020, in March, in Nature and Biotechnology, one of the most prestigious and read uh, journal covering a uh, technology, radio technology, and business related to that field. We also have um, Mayra Maturana. She is an Afro-descendant leader. She's from Chocó, Colombia. It's a young leader, co-founder of an executive director of the JMD, The Voice, the, the, the Voice from El Pacifico. She, she's one of the co-founders of the National Network of Afro-Descendants in Colombia. She belongs to the board of the Yoth in the Pacifico Chico, and she's a professional in language projects, and she is a candidate of a specialization in international in childhood and Yoth. She is also a scholarship holder in the management and development uh, for the Pacifico in the, in the Los Andes University and a corporation, Corporación Pacifico. She, is also, she also belongs to the network of a youth, uh, American youth for the uh, Afro-descendants and the Americans. We'd like to start then with uh, this conversation. Uh, now that we have introduced to you all the, the persons who will be with us today, um, by thinking about their perspectives. From their standpoint, what is the meaning of reparation in the current communities, uh, Afro-descendant communities? Uh, I would like to open the floor for any of the participants uh, so they can 
start uh, by telling us from their standpoint what they have to say, what, what are their takeaways from this uh, starting point. Myra, well, um, good evening to everyone. Um, all the persons here and the persons who uh, are watching this over stream uh, via, via line, thank you so much for the festival of Black Awareness. Um, These uh, spaces are incredibly important to revendicate and advocate for our Afro struggle across the world. Um, regarding the, the, the topic of reparations, when we think about it, when we reflect upon, um, I personally think of, I, I, I have a very embedded uh, action and the feeling uh, of a re um, retribution of the things that have been done in a negative path, in a negative way uh, through our communities in order to improve it and create transformation. In Colombia, Black Afro-American uh, Maroons uh, are subject of reparation, not only in terms of the Justice and Peace uh, Act, but also because of the, uh, the, the treat of uh, Black people from uh, Africa through the colonial states uh, has been considered as a less humanity uh, crime. So, as part of those reparations, we, I personally feel that it is, of a, it is critical to go beyond once the condition of our territories are very complex and in particular, the conditions of the territory where the communities currently dwell. Those territories show how those reparations that have been done so far are not entirely done. We need a way, they're a long way to go. They're, they're far from over. And I can see that, for example, the Act 70, which was one of the acts that is contributed to the acknowledgement and the protection of the huge diversity of Colombia. If we consider, if you put it in terms of the ecology, but also, uh, when we consider the action of the integrity and the, 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 the living in black communities, and mostly from the participation of the different communities and the organizations the, um, without uh, breaking their autonomy. As well, uh, the collective rights and their keeping, and also the lands that have also been the, have, have historically been a very deep and complex uh, um, discussion. And finally, I would say, I would like to add, uh, just to open the floor, I think it's a very important, it's, a, it's critical to work collectively in order to have the preparations um, across the other, the most rural communities and the the, the, the person and the community with a no rights with a handicap uh, that, that are now undergoing very uh, sustaining very difficult conditions uh, in terms of the violence, war, and for those communities and persons 
uh, with uh, that are not powerful enough to have a participation in these processes. Uh, that would be a, a very necessary way to reach food reparation to contribute to the uh, empowering and improvement of these uh, communities. Uh, it's very hot in here today. <laughs> uh, it's very interesting this uh, first participation. You know, uh, I would like to listen to Sol about this uh, particular aspect that uh, our previous uh, presenter has shown. In, in the case of Sol, her communities in Argentina. Hello, good evening. Thank you for having me. Uh, it is a, a pleasure to me to be part of this, uh, ty this um, type of initiative. And this uh, encounter was, uh, we, we, we had a very important encounter last week and it uh, the, the discussion was different and the situation was uh, as well. We had a chat and the, everything that I, all the points that I have created uh, were different, uh, but the, the, the president of my country had a very uh, disappointing um, planning that were, were uh, critical and I feel ashamed of. Uh, I, it's, a, it's a pity for me to have such a mandatory, such a president who is uh, capable of making such interpretations. Yeah. We have different observations about reparation. And uh, this it pushes back to zero. So that's a very big problem for us. Yeah, I think it's important, critical, and necessary to revise the type of concepts under which we understand, institutions understand the, 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 the ethnical and racial approach. It is incredibly overwhelming to see the way in which these institutions currently work at. Nothing it's as disappointed as this when uh, we consider that, uh, for example, he is a lawyer, is an attorney, and he comes from an academy, uh, from one of the most important uh, thinking centers uh, from the region. And so we have a class struggle there, and we have important points. Uh, we, we, we cannot uh, over, overlook the... Um, the approach that they have been taking of the, from the academy. We understand their standpoint in which it is very notorious, the lack of students from and the, and the faculty and the alumni, and it's an academy that has benefited from studying a community having a very social approach and from which we can definitely deem as a, a health system that it has been, it's a, that excludes and the, it's one of the most psychoanalyzed countries. And not even there, we can see 
and understand and have an approach for, from the, the racism and the, the way it's, it has been understood in the society. We don't have a strong database. We don't have a stronger tools. And if it, if, this, if it wasn't for this type of organizations and events that have been created across the world, otherwise there wouldn't be any type of data available. And this translates itself into the lack of representation in every level of the power. And that is very serious in terms of a pandemic, in terms of a reality. I think it is critical to have a stronger representation and a more honest access and share for the political purposes. You have a stronger participation from the Afro-descendant. And of course, through the, 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 the different ways that are having established and not only in the ways it currently works in Argentina. I'm pretty sure it doesn't happen only here, uh, not only in terms of social class, uh, in which the, the elites are the ones that uh, take in office. We have a, we have background on the different uh, um, social classes having access, having a prioritary access to the uh, offices, the important offices. We have a fourth power, there is the media, the mass media, and we can see how they uh, struggle, but they, can, they, they, don't, they don't get to overcome that quality, the poor quality level. Uh, that problem of the uh, creation of a uh, hate discourses, hate speech. And there's also uh, the, the audiovisual and entertainment industry that has taken a lot of uh, what it comes to black people, uh, the, the, all this um, speech. So, excuse me, I have a question. Now that you are dealing with this topic uh, about the audiovisual industry, and the, 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 the mass media communication. I would like to, I have a question. Particularly uh, as it regards to, from your opinion, specifically regarding mass media. I would like to, uh, for you to, to, to stop a little bit there. Um, so you could, be more, a little bit to elaborate a little bit more on uh, the role of mass media since um, I am very much interested in knowing uh, in deepening and digging in more uh, since you're an artist and you're an audiovisual artist and you work you are in the flesh of the problem so I would really like to uh, uh, have you talk about that in more in, in, a, in a more detailed way I would like to cut your <laughs> the, the, the flow of you, what you were saying uh, but I just discovered that happens to be a very critical point as it comes to the mass media um, I have a more specific question, but I would like you to elaborate there if you don't mind. 
Uh, of course, that, that, that goes uh, perfectly well with uh, the, the flow of my discourse. It comes together and it, it, it gathers the same place. It's mass media uh, and audiovisual industry and entertainment industry, they pendulate with the types uh, that we already know. Especially, uh, I would say that in both cases, the only way around the change is by creating um, from our alternativity or on visions and our conceptions and our narratives that lead to uh, or on the creation of our playwrights and uh, our own works. And uh, from that point, we, we, we would manage to enter to insert a new aspect in the industry um, that would be a very concrete step uh, to to overtake media I don't want to be a pessimistic but I I think I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic enough uh, otherwise I would be doing what I do but I strongly believe that the only way through um, to, to, to end that circle of a utilization of our uh, identities or memoirs as uh, by directly outbursting and we break them through. Um, so if we can avoid more stigmatization. Uh, and the only way to end that up is by creating our own narratives, our own stories, and to have a stronger presence in media. So they have the, 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 the need to, to, to understand and hear to our stories. We don't really need to knock at the door. We just need to go and break the floor the best way we can. Of course, there is a challenge because the resources are always limited. It's a budgetary issue as well. But I definitely think that we can start working on that direction together. And uh, mostly uh, when it is evident that the issue of diversity and race uh, itself it, uh, allows for a discourse. Uh, blackness it was not a topic uh, several years ago. It is now. But uh, now it was, um, it was uncomfortable when, uh, when, 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 when there was this appropriation. Uh, and uh, all this together uh, leads me to say that I, this organization and this struggle uh, puts you in a position in which we can um, be more, uh, more visible. So it's undeniable and we can, they, they can just uh, look uh, to the other side um, because it's very uh, strongly and very heavy. The, vis the visualization that we can already have and that we, we are in, in way to, uh, to, to get, uh, including social media as well. And precisely, uh, uh, that was my, my, my commentary about the, that uh, topic. The, the main issue uh, about uh, reparation in this context of the social and the civil social globalized society. I think um, 
that uh, reflection of yours, uh, it's very straightforward. Um, as uh, we can enlighten what's happening in Argentina. I think it's not only the, that latitude, also in other places of Latin America, that's a common uh, situation in which we basically have the problem of the representation and that problem of underrepresentation that can be seen as the uh, lack of presence. Uh, we can call it that way. The, the, the no presence and that uh, even today uh, it would entail a much uh, heavier work on that field and to in order to nurture our own history and to, 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 to change the sense and to change the meaning and the narrative so we can finally locate those communities in the place the, the, that corresponds to them, that goes with them. So it is very, in my opinion, it's very important what you're, what you're saying. Uh, because you already touched on the topic of identity, you know, um, and the idea of not of uh, being on sale, being very hot now, uh, since uh, uh, shortly before it was not as proper. But uh, uh, would you like to let, let us uh, know a little bit more how commercial this is now, how it works? Yeah, um, artificial industry is one of the industry the industries has uh, has basically non-stopped during this uh, pandemic uh, mass media industry uh, keeps working is one of the richest and most nurtured uh, industries and it has a very direct uh, way of affecting the construction of uh, types, stereotypes, in terms of the Afro, uh, uh, and is one of the most uh, damaging uh, medias. And they, so, so they have the mission to uh, repair, to give back to the Afro communities in terms of representation. Not only in front of the camera, but also in terms of uh, the production, the realization, the construction, the playwriting, the, the direction, the, the directing. Uh, and the idea of not selling before uh, in, the, in, the, in, in the course of the whole industry um, nationwide and also internationally, uh, I refer to the Afro not selling, not being a topic, not being uh, hot, not being as representative as uh, it could be now. So it was not part of the society. It was underrated uh, and it was forgotten under the hegemonic uh, narratives being less important. So they were not contributing to the whole of the society. I think there's been a number of things going on under, not only the fact that they noticed that diversity was a hot topic, and not only the Afro, but also the Afro of a, in terms of a, the visual body, the way the people and communities were expressing different things with their bodies, that they wanted to be seen and they were, going, they, they, they were not willing to buy things that were not inclusive of them in, in movies and TV, on TV, uh, talking about bodies that do not exist. 
talking about um, realities that were just topics. So they're 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 extended or exhausted. In, in that sense, they were trying to find other narratives. And Afro history is so diverse. So not only we need to, to talk about uh, our reality as the people, as racialized peoples, but also or for a certain period or a certain virtual environment. Not only we our history starts in these the, during slavery, it also includes other topics and they, they, they are endless. They, they, we have many stories to tell about that. And these stories have been underrated, they have been uncovered. So not only um, the topics of every country is not a national trend. It's not a is in a is not a region uh, trend, but it's everywhere in the world. Uh, we have people living everywhere, and uh, we don't all belong to uh, to a place. Uh, our histories, in consequence, are incredibly diverse. Uh, we do not belong uh, to the same place. Uh, in terms of employment, in terms of class, um, the reality perhaps uh, can be the, being a self-constructive uh, uh, work uh, entails that you have to live day after day. But also it shows lessons uh, that go beyond the extension of the possibilities. Uh, we can try to keep and to, 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 to keep up, to keep afloat and utilize uh, 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 the, the, the language from the system of the docente. Um, so it doesn't really important how, uh, what your background is, how, how experienced you are, but if you have this uh, particular skin color or you have this uh, place of residence, or if you lack a certain a requirement there it's excluding you won't make it you won't be able to grow and it, 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 just to put it in the terms of the system so you won't be able to have um, aspirations to to have expectations because there's this a glass floor that the, the whole the system uh, elaborates and creates for you so in my opinion it's even i couldn't tell it's in, extremely ignorant in, in the frame of capitalism in the, in the frame of the power not being able to see how they have been the creators of inequity how they have been the creators of the lack of the of, of a good employment and opportunities thank you so Taking into account what you've mentioned and your comments on the lack of opportunities, especially employment opportunities, inequality of conditions, etc. Let's now hear from Dr. Julio, who has done a lot of work with 
communities of Afro-descendants. So I wanted to hear from him regarding the programs that he has worked on and that have been very successful. Thank you very much. I wanted to acknowledge the presence of the other panelists who are with us. As they say in North America, I'm excited to see so many Afro-descended panelists. In particular, I'd love to hear from our Afro-descendant colleagues in Latin America. Because a lot of our work is focused on culture and sport. And in most countries in Latin America, there, there's a huge contribution to football on the part of the Afro-descendant community. In Venezuela, Colombia, Ecuador, and Bolivia, there's, there's a lot of activity there. But in Paraguay and Argentina, not so much, which shows how exclusion is deployed or how it operates in those countries. And, and I really can't understand the level of exclusion that has occurred in, in some of these countries. And one of the most racist countries is the US. And I have to say Argentina as well. Usually when there's a, ma a football match between Brazil and Argentina, there, there's a lot of racism that comes up. And we know that there's a complex history there that affects Afro-descendant populations with a lot of racism. So I'm really glad to be able to share this panel with an Afro-Latin artist and to hear from her. That being said, let's say that with regard to the reparations discourse in Colombia, the debate has had its moments. First, with regard to the contribution of Afro-American populations to society, and as the prior panelist was mentioning, the issue of slavery, uprootedness, exclusion and oppression suffered by Afro-descendant populations in the Americas. All of that history, all of that ancestral knowledge has had a huge contribution from language to an infinite number of other things. There's a lot of words that are in common usage with African roots. For instance, the word kumbamba, which refers to the chin. That, that is a word with African roots. Forgery of documents is called chimbuco, which is also a word that originates in Africa. A garment or sandals that are used by ladies and young people, they're called chancletas, hair, which also has African origins. So there's, there's 
a large contribution of Afro languages to the local parlance that has not been recognized. There's also the sociocultural historical aspect in Colombia, which includes a high level of violence. And sadly, Afro populations have seen a lot of violence. A lot of the violence is concentrated in Afro communities, not just because of the suffering and also displacement, violence, armed conflicts that have particularly affected Afro communities. So those, those have been the two inflection points of the discourse on reparations. And based on that narrative, a variety of organizations have tried to promote public policy that try to address inequality to drive inclusion. I would say that there have been a few initiatives on reparations, but it, it's very much at the discretion of a particular leader or a political group that, that has that kind of agenda or, or is clear about the importance of inclusion. Some political leaders, not many, have tried to implement positive discrimination, which really seeks to create a more equal playground. And, and to try to drive inclusion in certain spaces and certain sectors or organizations to try to create a, a more level playing field. And in some sectors of public administration, there have been attempts to include secretaries, institutional directors who are Afro-descendants. And base people who, because of the skills and qualifications, can take these roles and, and provide those perspectives. But the, there's a lot of complexity there because there's still a sector of the population that is resistant, that, that is still invisibilizing the contributions of our Afro population. There's a lot of complexity as well with the fact that the triumphs of Afro-descendants are considered an individual issue as opposed to collective triumphs, collective achievement. There, there's acknowledgement of individual achievements, but not of the community as a whole. When something negative happens, then yes, that is attributed to the community. But The, the positives are individualized and the negatives are collectivized. 
which is what always happens. And with regard to the idea of reparations within academia, there's been a lot of debate and more openness to affirmative action. And that what I mean to say is that one of the difficult, most difficult things for students in terms of enrolling in university is the matriculation process because there's there's a lot of background difficulties in terms of educational attainment with the school system, lack of qualified teachers, poor infrastructure, teachers are not well paid, especially in the public sector. And so also there's a lot of strikes, which means that sometimes classes end up stopping for a while. And that means that there are gaps in students' learning. Colombia also has a very complex dynamic, which is from a geographical point of view, from climate issues, it means that there's a certain level of brain drain from rural areas, from the hinterlands to other areas. And we do have as well a certain level of a feeling of closeness to to Africa, to the idea of Africa. There, there's, there's the idea that Africa is, is very nearby, that, that it's very part, very much a part of us. But in any event, the, as you can imagine, there is a lot of exclusion and a lot of barriers to access of students to higher education. There's some policies in place, however, to increase Afro, the, the access of Afro-descendant students to higher education, as well as the access of indig indigenous populations. And that has made it possible for students to compete for the limited number of places that are available in higher education and to have greater access to education. And, and sometimes there's specific training that is needed for these students in order to be able to have a chance at success at university. There are specific requirements. There's a lot of competition. And once a student enrolls in university, a lot of them have to work part-time and you know, university has very high performance requirements. And when these students who have had gaps in their learning journey come into university, they have a lot of trouble. Often they're expelled because of low performance because their preparation prior to university was not up to the standards of 
higher education at the university level. So we have, we've developed programs to provide tutors and additional assistance and lessons for students to be able to do better at the university level. And that way, improving graduation rates. We, we, had, we used to have a lot of trouble retraining, retaining Afro students in the universities, and, and that's improved to, to a large extent. And that, that is part of the policies and the initiatives that are part of the reparations efforts. But it's just a piecemeal approach. If we're talking about a wholesale, a holistic approach to reparations, we would need to be considering something much more widespread that recognizes what has actually happened and how history and tradition has affected Afro-descendant populations and the contribution of these populations to our societies. Thank you. That's some very important background and some wonderful explanations regarding the need to ensure that we have study programs within the education system, even at the university level, that are very closely tied to that historical memory of our African roots so that students can feel like they can relate to the material more. I think that these are important steps to take in order to advance with these types of initiatives. Although, as you say, it seems like a small step. I think it's a valuable one and it makes an important contribution to our, the issue of reparations. Thank you so much, Julio, for your insights. And continuing this thread with regard to reparations and the initiatives that have been advanced, Myra, I'd like to hear from you regarding any initiatives that have had a significant impact. And I'm referring to reparations or initiatives that have had significant impacts for Afro-descendant communities in your communities, in, in the area where you live or where you work. Bueno, perfecto. ¿Cómo lo manifesté en mi anterior intervención? Well, as I, as I said before, about those initiatives that we've done, about the, the continuation of what we did, we've had a constant fight up for the recollection of the land of the people living in rural communities, specifically 
trying to to get the right for those people to get a piece of land of a space that belongs to them in the, in the same way that that can be recognized for the for the local government like the associations that work for our community and belong to our communities and that and that take care that take care of the communities making sure that all of the communities are are well-being and making sure that the the land of those people in the rural communities are being conserved can you can you guys hear me Talking about that, about the right 70, I think because of that, the, the leaders, the community, the organization, the organization that I belong to, have been working and taking actions, very important. For example, taking people that have been in spaces that are not good for them. You can see that those people have been doing a lot of efforts because, because some people have are more prepared than them. More prepared than them, having more access to better education quality. So, so this is this organization that I belong to and I work for have been working with those small groups. So those small groups of people can integrate themselves, the work and the university. So eventually they can they can they can create a better and sustainable community. So what I want to do in my community. Is make sure that those people can recognize what they can do for the end community, and someone else can recognize them for that. We also want to make sure that those actions are being tangible. In this project, I talk a lot about the mobilization in our country. The mobilization is a form, is a way to, to, to ask for our rights, to defend, to take action for our rights and ask to have a better country. And inside of this organization, we've been doing part of the history and specifically in Chukó department, is the department where I, where I live. The majority of the things that we've done in this, in this department, we've, we, have, we have the, the, the University of Chukó because of the manifestation that we've done. And all the very simple things that have that have worked like a bridge for us in the Department of Choco. 
So those tangible things that we have in the Department of Choco have been thanks to the mobilization that we've done in the country. For example, if we see the manifestation that has been going around in the whole country about the reform, this situation is complex our our communities. So, so thanks to the mobilization and the and the recognize the mobilization that we've done. So we have all those simple things and social and social tangible thing that we have. We want to keep doing that so we can have a better a better community and and more sustain, sustainable. So have we done? Have we said before? We want to keep working specifically about the recognitions to, rec to recognize, like, like Julio said before, and Sol as well. We want to keep fighting so the, the, the government and the public can, can recognize us. And we want to keep going with the social mobilization. Because of the because of the mobilization, we have the results, and I don't want to say that the, those results are simple. Those are not simple because we have we have in it. So when we have the when, when we achieve the, the the objective that we want, we, we just want we, we don't want to call it like simple. So the Afro-descended communities, if we have something important for the development of of a of a leader of a leader is recognize themselves so i think all everyone of afro descendant that we recognize ourselves we know where we come from we know the rules and if we recognize the rules we will be able to to overcome all of the challenges of the global challenges that we have to have a better community. I wanted to comment among all of us and point, I want to, to point out something about the reparations. From your perspective, so, the question is addressed to the panelists. What are the elements related to the reparations, harm, or benefit afforded in your communities? Let's begin with Sol. What I believe in Argentina, when we have the, 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 the aspect have of reparations, I think of this uh, big concept in entering and certaining in the veins of the society I, I, I live in and um, in, the, in, the, in the collective imagination, the collective understanding 
as in it taken from their pockets. Because here we have a lot of story, we have a very long story in terms of the, the territory, the land, having the land, and how the distribution along the, the different, across the land has been. So there is a difference um, between the privileges and how they're inherited by the law and how are they are uh, rightfully from the, 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 the elite and certain um, social classes. And therefore, all this uh, problem there is related to the reparation uh, as a negation, as a negative uh, for the expoiling and the damage caused is not a reality, is not a part of the understanding. Uh, so we can go back and see the level of ignorance uh, that I was talking about at the very beginning, um, because it's an academic, it's an illustrated ignorance. So it makes it even harder to change. So there is this very strong factor, this heavy factor institutional, um, so as long as we don't get to understand the responsibility of the institutions that have founded the country, we don't have re responsible and very representative institutions that are uh, at the level uh, that seek for the excellence of this, of changing this reality. Uh, as long as we don't have a crucial change in these aspects in the executive and the powers of the state, the judicial state, um, there will be no change. Um, as it regards to the benefits, well, there are plenty of work that has been done and made to do. Uh, there, there are Afro persons that are um, that have been integrated just now. Um, we're talking about um, persons that we. It's a, a handful of people. Um, we can say three, four, less than five the, um, that have been uh, taking office. And they have been working uh, for a long time now. But in reality, what we can see is that we are 44 millions of souls in Argentina. And uh, this way uh, to delegate, to put on the weight uh, in the whole extension of the responsibility as it comes to covering the territory. And if we check it uh, per capita, it is um, very unfair. And also, it is not possible for them to uh, um, satisfy and to, 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 to come away with, with better answers. So reparations we have in the educative system and the whole, all, in all the different levels. We have the history, the geography. Uh, we have contributions from African communities and, and the, 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 um, the native communities that have been that have been reflected in all the different levels, we have to say, also in the academia in the, in, and also in the mass media, in the audiovisual discourses and media, in the music as well, in history, in music, um, they have um, benefited and as well, and at the same time, they have mistreated black uh, authors uh, by uh, get taking advantage from their uh, power, their capacity to do, and creating new artists um, by using, by appropriating the heritage, uh, the black heritage, by uh, taking them from their um, 
identity. So from now, what we can say is that everything that has to do with um, access to data, access to information, um, library, um, black authors, black history books, um, natives, native communities, who having written in different languages other than Spanish, or that belong to other uh, countries, we have uh, little or no access. Um, and also there's an, um, a tax matter that uh, makes it even more difficult uh, for a person with a regular uh, income to access, uh, even if you have uh, access to the system, so you find it really hard to access to other type of literature uh, when it comes to African uh, native Afro descendants, uh, it becomes more difficult. So we 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 don't have access. Uh, for example, um, we have a, a, an active um, an activist with an uh, an ambulant library who's been putting together sets of different uh, other literatures, and he has taken the task of delivering. Uh, other literature, other authors that the educative system is, it has been uh, de denying, has been neglecting. So the amount of tasks in terms of reparations that they need to be put forward, and not only from the state, but also uh, we need to put responsibility on the, the enterprises, the companies um, that have a usufructed have created money from uh, the other patient and also they have been doing a, a cultural appropriation or they lack they fail short to hire to properly hire um, native and afro descendants uh, so you can see a very important lack of representation in this uh, different offices uh, and there's a responsibility there to be taken so what we believe is that in all through these years, um, 11 Argentina, and I have to, that's why I'm saying this. My family is from Cape Verde. So it is very, uh, to put in a way of speaking, it's enrooted the fact that taking value and pride of, the, of, the, of your birthplace and to create a, an actual separation, a different vision of that, I would say that um, the, those who have a, a, a country with so many inhabitants, I would say, I, I would hope that the individual, the, the individual deeds, they put together, they add up, they put up to the collective. Not every Afro person has the chance to do activism. Not, not all of us have the opportunity to um, have different activities and to, to put yourself in a different standpoint to promote culture. Um, as long as we don't have our uh, basic needs uh, satisfied, it's going to make it more difficult for us to move on that direction. So as long as we get to satisfy those basic needs, we'll have a chance, an actual chance to accommodate and to account for other different needs and to provide representation. As long as we get to satisfy those basic needs, 
in terms of academia, in terms of um, access to the information, to the education, and only then, only if that happens, only if that happens to be satisfied, um, only there, we will stand a chance if we are interested, if we have a mind for that, for to have the rest of the community to get access to other benefits and to render, to deliver better services to the community. But I strongly believe that many times what happens is that we start from the individual and uh, this is how you get to the collective finally uh, and non-black people many times and not at least in argentina many persons many people there by listening to me by getting to know our reality um, they take a stand and they take responsibility and they become aware of uh, how to benefit to recognize and to to to, to grant chances to others uh, starting from um, job interview, keep it in mind that certain profiles that were exclusive to other um, types of uh, people and uh, having this uh, job seekers and uh, uh, hires did not have access to this information, well, they also can create a change even if it's offensive or can be difficult to understand that these persons have been socialized and instructed in different uh, educative systems in which um, black communities have been undermined and, it, and there has been a privilege and there has been exclusion of the black communities. There is a strong need to stop exclusion. I will close by saying that. Um, so, it is very interesting your your, your takeaways, um, and it is it's been through you that we get to know this reality in Argentina and in many other latitudes that are unknown to us. That I, actually from today we can start seeing more in depth. You have a very detail in your elaboration. Your interventions is very satisfied. I think many of us will get to know and we will start knowing this reality of uh, our uh, descendant, uh, Afro-descendant brothers in Argentina. Uh, I, I want to thank you because your intervention has been very important. Uh, you have uh, put on the table a lot of new elements. I would like to hear from Maria, you know, uh, Myra's opinion. In what... Um, how the how do uh, reparations benefit or harm uh, uh, your community in Colombia? Well, uh, regarding that topic, I believe that in many occasions it can be. Um, uh, reparations can be misunderstood or it can be thought that all the things uh, can be subverted in terms of for example let me give you the, the example of my country i happen to be very critical about it um, you have plenty of social assistance and social programs um, that are insignificant and they uh, initially 
have the purpose to um, help the less benefited people with lower income, uh, for example, assistant uh, for uh, single mothers, for um, poor families, and uh, with this uh, uh, acts that help uh, intend to reform. But, they, but this uh, assistance is not enough and does not satisfy for the social needs. We need more than uh, income um, in order to face the situation. They happen to be less than $100 for a family, uh, for a seven-kid family. Uh, it can help to mitigate but it doesn't go deep down to the problem. And that's not what we are entirely asking. So way beyond assistance, when it policies, when it changes to help the hireability and the creation of employment by creating new sustainable um, uh, enterprises and companies in the long and the short term. As well, I think that um, as it comes to the, the, the discussion for the reparations, many other new proposals have been created, have been come up in terms of economy. They don't seem to have the purpose to uh, put together the loads, uh, but they don't finally understand that they need social intervention, social investment, improved spaces for young uh, kids, uh, for them to create new environment uh, beyond the risk. So they can uh, promote and create new skills to, to, to improve their skill set and to create sustainability, to contribute to new positive actions. So that would be my point of view. However, um, I remain uh, optimistic, and I would say that those actions that are uh, minor, we have to admit that they have a specific contribution to uh, delivering new loads and to the balance. Although, finally, they're not a structural solution, which is needed to effectively create balance between opportunities, improved conditions, and better, spa better spaces for people to have a strong effect on their communities to in order to generate new policies and to create a better contribution to the community. In that vein, I, th I think it's critical to rethink to think upon, to reflect upon it, what uh, are the effects of this action and how they uh, finally and effectively contribute and uh, to what extent they actually create um, drowning agencies. Uh, and uh, this is a point that I was trying to make uh, in a conversation with the government. Uh, when we were trying to discuss the tax uh, reformation. And the situation went to how we normally and we usually uh, know um, the spaces and the places in which we can have a, an actual effect on the reality, 
but sometimes and very often we don't know the root we don't know the doing uh, that needs to be taken whether the, the, the avenues to be taking uh, in order to help people uh, overcome poverty uh, in many occasions we uh, know it we know the, the doing but uh, there are always interests that hinder that process to happen so that uh, implies that we uh, keep struggling that we keep fighting uh, until we find better advancements. And I was making this reflection in the, uh, because I was uh, constantly invited to these uh, conversations. But what we notice is that these persons, these policymakers, these experts, these uh, technical knowers of the situations, uh, and these spaces have been created to, to, to buy uh, time. Uh, so they claim that they create this a uh, uh, consolation and this uh, uh, diversity spaces but they are but they are not having an effect so what we consider is that it is pivotal that we invest better and stronger in education in high quality education so we can come up with better generations for the, the so that your generations to, uh, to come have better tools they have a stronger uh, effect and contribution on their communities. So they become stronger and they can fight for better reparations, a better contributing reparation to actually contribute and affect positively the space, the diversity space in which diversity lacks and it needs to be improved. It is a reality, yeah. Um, that is something that uh, has been happening for quite some time. Uh, and as you were saying, Myra, is a, a reactive discourse. And it keeps uh, yielding the same uh, discussion that is repetitive, that is inconclusive, and that leads to no actions uh, towards the, the, the actual change in terms of education and societal changes. Back to the topic of education, I would like to hear from Julio. Uh, I would like to, to, to know his mind on his thoughts on the elements that could uh, hinder or benefit the reparations what are the elements that can uh, benefit or uh, hinder the actions of the Afro-descendants in their communities? Okay. Uh, I agree with what the other presenters have said. There's a very complex issue, which is that very often people think that reparations are going to be enough. And, and that means that our, our mental structures, the mental structures of some Afro-descendants shift. And, and they're satisfied with a minimum level of support but as the previous panelist was saying it's not enough it's a piecemeal approach and it's not true reparations you need a structural solution 
There's another issue that I find very concerning when there's some support provided with some communities. There's the idea of feelings of entitlement. We've had some issues with, with people saying that it's not worth it to, to work hard and get good grades because that there's some spots reserved for Afro-descendants. So that's that's a challenge, that, that issue. And there's something that makes me very sad, which is to hear Afro-descendants say, there's no need for reparations. We're all Colombians. We have the same capabilities. And Part of, of that discourse completely forgets that there isn't an even playing field and that there's three quarters more support to other areas where there aren't Afro-descendants. But I think we can change mental structures. We can change the thinking of some communities and, and ensure that that dialogue around equity unfolds. Yes, our communities have been subject to discrimination. There is exclusion. There is inequity. And as our colleague was saying, a subsidy or some assistance isn't reparation. This is not a structural, broad-based policy that addresses the full picture across the territory that gives the operational and structural framework to address inequity. So that is something that I'm very concerned about. We need to demand that the central government implement structural reparation measures at the social, economic, and educational level. That, I think, is key. Thank you very much for that contribution. I think that, let's see, how are we doing for time? It's, it's Time has gone by very, very quickly during this discussion. I was wondering whether any of you have any general closing comments, any recommendations, any specific points that, that you wanted to mention during this conversation, but that you have not yet been able to bring up. I'd, I'd love to hear from you guys, if that's the case. I, I just wanted to say, in, in light of the situation and the context in my country, perhaps a lot of what I said, my discourse was very negative. It came across as, as very negative, but I think that these types of dialogues and these kinds of debates are very important, especially coming together, speaking with one voice, listening to each other, becoming more aware of the background of what's going on in other countries and other communities. I think that is where hope lies. 
we have to come together, work together, and become bigger than the sum of our parts. There's very limited resources, of course, but as long as we have intentions to keep working on this and to realize that this is going to be a long-term effort, there are a lot of things that need to be done that are going to take a lot of time. What's urgent immediately is work and employment. That, that's something that I definitely would like to emphasize. Personally, based on my own experience, opportunities for personal development in the conditions that our communities are currently living, it's, it's very difficult. Education is immensely important, but the, the basics need to be covered first. If a woman doesn't have a safe place to live, for example, everything else becomes exponentially more difficult. The, the journey becomes harder. And so work and employment are the most immediate needs. And that is, I think, something that we can all try to cooperate on and try to see how we can drive things forward in our respective communities and societies. Great, thank you. No, Sol, your, your contribution wasn't negative at all. It was, it was a critical assessment, but that, that analysis is important. We need to know the, the reality of our Afro-descendant communities in Argentina. So thank you for your contribution. Would any other panelists like to make an intervention? Anything that you wanted to, to address or to bring up? I, I really just wanted to express my thanks for providing the space to, to talk to exchange some experiences. I think these types of spaces for dialogue are incredibly important because in some way, we're helping each other to construct narratives, to deepen our thinking on this issue and to get a better idea of what's happening with our Afro-descendant brothers and sisters across the region. I think these kinds of spaces foster deep learning, whether from personal experience or based on what's going on on a more macro collective level. But so I'm very glad to have participated today. Let's all keep hope alive, keep working together, keep helping our communities and exchanging experiences. I think if we can do that, 
that's part of the reparations that we can effect in our communities. We can improve things. We can create better conditions, foster better conditions, and we can plant the seed to help other people help that process of improvement. We, we are all in different spaces, in different places, but, and of course, the, the realities of our communities are very complex, which means that that work is incredibly important and we need to be moving in that direction, continue moving in that direction. So thank you so much for, for providing this space. I, I hope this kind of discussion can continue. Julio, yes, by all means. I'm really happy, pleased to have this opportunity to meet brothers and sisters who are working in this space, especially to hear from Argentina. As, as I said, I'm, I'm really pleased to hear from Argentinian artists. Uh, I'm, in my role as a university lecturer, I'm going to share what I've heard today with my students. As our colleague before mentioned, it's very important to share these experiences. A few years ago, Doris Usenanos passed away. She was one of the first PhDs in Afro-Latin studies. It was a very emotional time and a difficult loss at the university, the, the faculty, the staff, the students were very saddened. And it's because of the work that she did, raising awareness, creating a, a level of consciousness that was incredibly valuable. And that means that, that the faculty, the staff has, has a very different view now. And, and that was her legacy to, to change thinking and, and to disabuse us of these foundational myths about our Afro-descendants, that, that we can be competitive, that we can be successful, that we, we have a huge contribution to make. And I think this type of space can be very helpful in that respect. So thank you so much for this opportunity. I, I hope that, that one day I can visit Argentina. Thank you, Julio. Gracias, Mayra. Thank you, Sol. This has been a very fruitful session. We've all learned a lot. It's great to be here, having this opportunity to get to know each other a little bit better during this Black Consciousness Festival, hearing voices from Hispanic South America. And I think our, our legacy and our heritage as Hispanic Afro-descendants is very important. And so I'm, I'm very pleased to be able to be part of this. Thank you to all of you who are participating in the session. Thank you 
to all of the attendees and the panelists and our thanks to the interpreters. Thank you and I hope that you'll join us again next time. Until next time. Thank you.